Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening, it's less than a month now till Halloween. That is true. I can't think of these anymore. And it's also my turn to start. So, I'm Emma. This is Lucy. And I'm going to be talking to you about a guy called Ian Simpson. He's a Scottish fellow. And there's a couple of books that tell his story, one of which is, I've mentioned before, called Blood on the Glens by Jean McLennan. And another one about Carstairs, the psychiatric hospital by David Leslie. Oh, I feel like your voice is very calming tonight. I don't know what it is. I think it's that I've given up. <laughs> this is this is the voice of someone who doesn't give a fuck anymore. I think maybe it's your hump day voice. Well, Wednesday's my management day, so I basically go around dealing with other people's problems uh. until I want to die. <laughs> yeah it's coming across we're talking about other people's problems one of the problems well, this as an example someone phoned me up in the office and said i don't know what to do my children have been researching on the internet i gave them a link to a website that i'd already checked and they've seen an inappropriate picture it popped up and i was like oh god what is it and she was like, well, they've seen a dick. Oh my God, what website was it? It was like a kid's science website. And then she said they scrolled down to the bottom and there was an advert for some stuff. And she said they saw a penis and a vagina. Oh my God. And she was like... I've, a sex ad. <laughs> and she was like, I'll, I've closed it. I've told the boys about being sensible. Uh, what else do I need to do? It's obviously got past the firewalls. So I was like, right. Um, well, I best ring the parents before they get home and say, I've seen a dick. But all the parents? Just these five these five oh, boys okay. that have seen it. Um, so that they can be known. And like, it was fine. I told them, look, we have a firewall. It's got round. It's now blocked. We sorted it. Um, one parent was really mad and rang back and complained to the head teacher, like really annoyed about it. But she... I mean, she was literally... What did you do anyway? She was literally chewing off her own lips at the time. So I'm a bit like... <laughs> anyway, so whole drama, sorted it. Get home. And I was like, can you just send me the link to the website that they were using? And scroll down to the bottom. There is no dick. It's a picture of a finger. There is no vagina. It's a picture of an ear. What the fuck? And I was like... 
if that is what your boyfriend's dick looks like or your vagina we have bigger problems i couldn't oh believe it i was God. absolute face plant i was like why am i like That's I, never, I never even thought i was like this that it could be that she's wrong this 23 year old teacher has come to me and said oh my gosh they've seen this i've seen it i closed it down quickly i would never think to say are you sure it was a penis <laughs> I'm like, I want to show you. The, can I show you the picture? That yeah, it was. Do it, okay, do it. we're gonna pause. I don't need to look like a vagina. Yeah, so this. Oh, that looks a bit like a dick. It's a finger with some Vaseline on the uh, end. It's yeah, but it's got a butt on it. Yeah, but with clothes on. It's a the the behind view of a human with clothes on. Well, it's good, that's a naked bum. It's not naked. It's got clothes on. Oh, oh, has she got leggings on? Okay, you're missing the point. <laughs> 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 just humans have bones we can't finger, avoid that it it's ear. a finger it's an ear it's like one of those weird clickbaity things like yeah. oh these weird things so it's not appropriate they wouldn't click on them but a finger with vaseline bad. on like it looks may look like a dink, dick if it was covered in spunk but this was a year three class so the kids are seven and eight so for them to recognize a slimy ass dick <laughs> yeah what's going on at home so that's my that's what happens when you're an assistant head teacher (laughs) (laughs) and now to the podcast so ian simpson he was one of 10 he'd definitely seen some dicks other than his own as he was growing up he was born in Coatbridge. Uh, in around 1936 or 1937 i can't find a consistent source on that but it seems like he was a bit of a dullard he was sort of below average at school and he didn't really seem to have any personality either just one of those kids who would sort of sit there and be a bit ugh um when he went to primary school well but then of course he's one of 10 maybe he just didn't get enough interaction who knows but when he was at primary school he would often he started getting in trouble various different things at eight years old he set fire to some haystacks which is about as aggressive as you could probably be in the 30s (laughs) um and he would be regularly caught stealing so his family had him labeled as a bit of a troublemaker and his mum was just at her wits end because she couldn't see why he would be doing it she thought there was absolutely no motive because often he would steal things and then just give them back um, which is just says he's obviously attention seeking. Yeah, if he's stealing things and then going, Mama stole this, he wants you to talk to him. Like put the other nine babies down <laughs> yeah. and speak to him. Um I'm gonna say he's always known he must have always known a pregnant with a baby. If you've had to have that many kids. Who were we talking about that had like seventeen kids? Oh slash and dash. Oh yeah. And Mr. Guinness of Guinness in Dublin, his wife, she had like 21 pregnancies. What? I can't think of anything worse. Like she was pregnant just constantly, like forever. Because I was like, if I had to, if I wanted two kids, twins the first go would be brill. But then I was like, oh, you only get one maternity then? Exactly. So maybe it's better just to have Irish twins. Yeah. What's that? When they're like one after the other. Yeah. So they're in the same school year. Oh God, no. There's some downtime in between. So by the time he left school, he was really ill-equipped for dealing with the world because he hadn't really paid much attention to learning. And he had a pretty shitty reputation in the local towns. So he couldn't really get a job. And 
the most he could get was work as an errand boy. Is that like a rent boy? No, like a delivery man, <laughs> oh, <right>. I guess. <laughs> um, and then eventually, I think things took a bit of a turn and many people were relieved when he was actually conscripted to the army. So because it was just around post-Second World War, the age had been changed. So it was from the ages of 17 to 21, you could be conscripted at this point. Um, and at this time, he would have gone for two years to serve. Um, none of my grandparents ever went because they were all like essential services, coal miners, as we mentioned in the <laughs> Patreon. If you get to go down the mines, you're fine. Did I, would anyone you know went? Um, I don't know. I know my dad, my granddad was a coal miner, so maybe he didn't go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they joined up. We don't do that anymore. Um, old people love it. It's like their favourite thing to say, bring back national service. They're obsessed. <laughs> but for Simpson, while he was there, it didn't necessarily sort him out, um, properly. He actually developed a really strong religious fervour, uh, and that was going to stay with him for the rest of his life. And some people might argue that that was the first sign of a psychosis. I mean, a lot of leading psychologists say that a really strong belief in religion shows that you're, well, we talk, you've we, got problems. Because we were revising the schizophrenia unit at the moment, we were talking about this because we were saying about how... Because I said, evolutionarily, why have we still got schizophrenia then? Will they, will no one have wanted to procreate with them if it is genetically basis? surely it would have just died out and the kids were like no because they would have been revered and then they were like talking about jesus and they were like we think jesus was a schizophrenic i was like well let's not go that far but i people would have been like yeah you're religious you're amazing even though it was mental illness yeah so it said that while he was completing his national service um he obviously mingled with a lot more people from various different backgrounds and he became hyper aware of injustices that were happening as he saw them and he just became disgusted with humanity he would go and talk to the chaplains for ages about how he was sickened by the behavior of other people but yet he continued to steal and lie he didn't see his behavior different but he definitely saw everyone else as being wrong and um i think even though his school said he was really below average, I think he was just too much of a shit to reach his potential because while he was stationed in Germany, um, he learned to speak German, like, fluently. Oh. Like, he was, all his teachers were like, oh, he was no good, he was no good. He's now bilingual. You're like, look at me now, bitch. Yeah. Ich bin's wolf. Mind to bind to um, I think it's because he just saw it as being super useful because he loved chatting at women. So going out in the local bars, he was putting his German to use all the time. I guess that's the problem with kids at school is that they can't see the end goal. They're like, why am I learning this? Ugh, boring. Yeah, because when you sign up to the army when you never wanted to and then you go out and meet women, you're going to want to get laid with German. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was demobbed in 1959, which I was like, ooh, demobbed, what happened? It just means he left. Disappointing. Um. That's just people in the army like, let's make our memos sound more exciting. <laughs> um, but once he left, he started trying out a new career as a fraudster. He'd picked up some tips for, while he'd been around Germany. And he also had an interest in antiques. So he 
went home when he was first left and then he decided to go back to Germany, making out that he was a a well-known Scottish antiques dealer. So, of course, when you're going abroad, you try and play on every gimmick you've got. So he really amped up his Scottishness by making sure he was always wearing a kilt wherever he went. Um, At one point, he did try and pass himself off as a doctor and he organised a series of lectures uh, that were very well attended, apparently. I don't think he spoke at them. I think he was like, I'm the doctor and he arranged other doctors to come and speak at it, but just was like a big player in the medical world. <laughs> um, and it said that everyone knew him locally as her Ian, just sort of quite affectionately. And he even tried to convince people just in that he was related to Wallace Simpson, who... Um, What? Married one, <laughs> married the king. <laughs> the king abdicated to be able to marry her. Oh. Um, she was an American lady. But he was just trying to say that I've got an, um, a connection to the British royals. I'm Ian Simpson. Don't you know Wallace Simpson? You know, uh, the guy that the, king, the woman that the king's run off wait, with. Simpson's a very common name. So he was just putting himself about. Eventually, he decided that he wanted to return home to Scotland. So Simpson concocted a plan that would pay for his journey home. So he'd met a Dutch antiques dealer and he believed that Simpson was one of his peers in his profession. And Simpson showed him a whole range of antiques that he'd stolen. And he believed they were just, yeah, of course he'd have a load of antiques. So Simpson arranged for this respected Dutch friend to take his antiques and get them through customs for him and sent to Scotland and pay for my ticket home. In return, when Simpson got back, he said, I'll pay you back all the money and I'll send you some lovely Scottish antiques over to you that you wouldn't be able to get here. So he was like, I'm in a bind, send all my stuff. So basically this Dutch guy has now been responsible for transporting a whole load of stolen goods under his name and paid for his fare home. So it was quite clever. Simpson, of course, didn't hold up his end of the bargain and instead carried on using his Christian zeal and love of making people believe in things without proof and became a preacher. So he actually set up his own church in Glasgow. So he went whole... Yep, he went in for it. He would dress up with like a little dog collar and would go around the housing estates knocking on doors. He learned to cook and would feed people who were struggling. And he ended up with around 200 people that followed him. Fucking has more listeners than we've got. (laughs) I think he was was really convinced. He was very earnest. Like he was was young as well. He's still only in his 20s at this time. Young 20s. I'm going to say attractive. Scottish guy going around loving Jesus, telling everyone he loves them, giving them food. I think people were into it. That's the way forward. We've got to go door knocking. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He then took to rambling as his latest hobby. In both senses of the word, he decided that he would go traveling around the country just on like walks. And then as he went around, he'd meet people and like hammer them with christianity oh no one likes that guy until they believed him i think he got fed up of the responsibility of being stuck in one place (laughs) and a lot of other churches were opening up in glasgow he didn't have the credentials it was all a bit so he's like i'm just gonna go walking 
So, um, his religious mania did sort of reach a fever pitch, though. His mother actually found him um, in the nearby graveyard digging up coffins. And he just totally got so fed up with organized religion. He believed that he had the truth of what Christianity should be and that all of the organized religions were evil and were full of crime and full of injustice. And so he just went back to thieving. Like, can't beat him, join him, I think. So eventually his family were majorly concerned. He's gone digging up coffins. So they admitted him to a psychiatric hospital in Dumfries. It was as a voluntary patient, um, but they were like, he's quite clearly got a mental illness um he was obviously what's the word like talked to by doctors <laughs> like seal diagnosed well, well I don't know. Um, treated yeah he Thera- had a, he had a chat he had a chat with a few doctors and they said that he's definitely of unsound mind he's potentially dangerous just because he would get so wound up and aggressive when he would get on the subject of religion um but because he was there voluntarily he decided he was going to leave and he did so in 1960 his behavior just continued to be erratic he hadn't had any kind of therapy that was lasting and he was committed again to a hospital in Lanarkshire, this time against his will. Yeah, so he's committed, he can't just walk out yeah. at this point. Um, however, in April of 1961, he escaped. And as I mentioned in a previous podcast, he managed to be out and about for over 28 days. So he was good to go. There was a law that was hundreds of years old that said if you managed to stay out of a mental hospital for 28 days, you were no longer insane and were free. That is weird. I mean, I get it, but also people can wander around in a real fucked up way for 28 days and survive. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
he just he just hitchhiked around the north of England, the south of Scotland, and eventually he was arrested for stealing back in Dumfries. But when they arrested him and like, oh, he should be in a mental hospital, they could they just couldn't take him back. I think it's he definitely stealing though. It's not like looking after yourself, is it? But then it's just a criminal thing. He definitely fell through the cracks. The police were like, he's technically can't force him to go back. Yeah. But we know he should go back. But we only caught him stealing. Yeah. So bye. Um, but while he was in custody, w- awaiting his trial, he tried to hang himself. Um, just to let everyone know, I'm not right. Yeah. Um, he was sentenced to nine months. And obviously, because he was having a trial, him he was seen by more mental health doctors. And they did think that he was mentally stable even though he'd just escaped from a mental hospital, caught stealing, tried to hang himself. They thought he was fine. So he served Probably his... in Scotland, I know. Yeah. So he served his time in a general prison. Um, and the other inmates at the time that were with him said that everyone kind of avoided him. He was a religious nut and he wouldn't shut up once you got him going and just that he would get, they described it as being he would get steamed up if you mentioned religion, he would just boil and go off. So he served his nine months and in January of 1962, he was released and he continued to try and convert people to his way of thinking with what would become increasing aggression. So in February, he met a young woman 18-year-old Estelle Kierens, and he quickly became obsessed with her. She was enchanted by him. He's still in his 20s, still obviously passionate, and they started exchanging love letters. One letter he sent her just days after they'd met, he was like, love, your slave, Ian. Oh, God. Like, he was in it. Nope. For real. I'd be checking out at that point. So they had only been a matter of weeks, but they met often. They talked about getting married. They wanted to start a life together. And it's thought that he probably could have been distracted by this. But in March of that year, Simpson was doing his usual hitchhiking and ranting up the A9, which is like the only road in Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) On the east side, anyway, when I was there in... This summer, after going to the Edinburgh Festival with you, I carried on going up. And like everywhere you want to go, there was no need for Google Maps, just on the A9 until you see a sign. Easy. Um, So he was hitchhiking up there and he met a man called George Green, who was a 30-year-old electrical engineer who was on a bit of a holiday. He lived in Leeds and he was on a bit of a driving holiday around the Highlands. And he decided to pick up Ian Simpson. So, as inevitably would happen when having a conversation with him, he got onto the topic of religion, and things became incredibly heated. So, God, the, you'd really regret picking up that. Yes, like, fucking hell! Great, now he's going to chew my ear off about bloody Jesus. Yeah, you're just trying to be like polite chat. <laughs> so, George did have enough, and it's thought that he pulled over to make Simpson get out. Like that's enough now. Yeah. Instead, Simpson pulled a gun on him and shot George in the head and he died. That escalated quickly. Yeah, straight away. Shit. So 
Simpson just hauled the body into the passenger seat and carried on driving the car south. Fuck. He kept going until he found a suitable lay-by, which he could dispose the body in. Um, He didn't want him identified, so he stripped him of all his wallet, keys, everything. Just left him with his socks and shoes on and then shoved a few leaves over him. Um, It doesn't explicitly say, but you did a story a while ago about uh, John Hanratty. It's an older episode. Um, And he was known as the A6 killer. Yeah. Where he shot a man is it a couple yeah yeah and he shot them in a lay-by on the a6 yeah. and that was literally a f- just before this happened Whoa. so i think i mean it's thought that pol- the reason the police were so um fervent in catching ian simpson was because they just had the a6 killer but it wouldn't surprise me if the reason why simpson switched to this was because he'd heard about that maybe it seems odd that he's not been he's been aggressive in his arguments but he's never been physically violent before and now he shot someone on a main highway yeah in a similar fashion um so then he just drove off in the car and he showed up at estelle's house driving george green's car it had a very distinctive number plate of yum 552 and he said oh it's my brother's so george green's it's not known exactly the date of his death because Simpson's not a very reliable narrator but George Green's body was found eight days after he'd left his home in Leeds for his holiday it was by an ex-policeman who'd been driving himself and had pulled over in the lay-by and just happened to find it um so when the police were investigating obviously they only had a few things to go on they had his shoes and they noticed that there was a wearing on the sole of George's right foot that was consistent with someone who was driving a lot. And they also found a map that had obviously fallen out of the car in as his body had been pulled out. And it was stamped with the address of a garage in Leeds. So they're like, right, we need to find this car from Leeds and we'll know who the man is. So they went to the garage where the map was from and gave a brief description of George. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's the guy who drives the Yum car. Oh. George Green, Yum 772. I mean, you're going to remember it, aren't you? Yes. So he just changed the license plate slightly. He changed the fives to the seven, sevens to fives, but not the, the Yum, yum. <laughs> bit. The Yum's the one you'll remember. Do you remember when I had that T-shirt that said Kelsey Yum? Oh, yeah. I love that T-shirt. Kelsey Yum. <laughs> not anymore. No. No more Milsh. So, like I said, a lot of media attention for this case, mostly because of the A6 killer John Hanratty not long before. So, Simpson knew that he needed to disguise the car, and he did so by just painting it with a brush. Oh, we had someone do that before. I I saw a car the other day. And I drove near me and it looked like that. And I was like, fuck, should I be calling the police? Could I be solving a murder right now? Probably. Potentially. It seems that only people who are trying to hurriedly disguise a car use like a with paintbrush. with emulsion paint. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't work because apparently it rained not long after. So the car was really patchy. Like, like you said, you'd notice straight away yeah. that he'd done a botched paint job on it. And apparently it still had a, quite a few distinguishable dents in various places. 
So, but he still continued to drive the car around. <laughs> I don't think he'd had one before. It's quite exciting. Um, and in early April, the same year, so he'd come out of prison in the January, met Estelle, murdered a guy. We're only in April now. Oh, shit. He was motoring along the west coast of Scotland when he picked up a hitchhiker of his own. And it was 24-year-old Swiss student, Rudy Gimme. And this guy was on a walking tour He, while he was on holiday. He was doing a degree in textile design back in Zurich and decided to go visit Scotland and hitchhike around. I mean, people just loved to hitchhike in the 60s, clearly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Simpson had promised to drive Rudy to his lodgings in Edinburgh. And along the way, they booked into a youth hostel together, stayed the night. They did drive to Edinburgh to collect Rudy's belongings. So they spent a couple of days together. Then Rudy had planned to go to London and then to Paris before heading to Zurich. So Simpson said, yeah, I'll drive you to London too. And they carried on driving south of the border. So things had been going really well. Um, They'd obviously managed to have talk and get along a lot better than George Green and Simpson had. But still, at some point, the conversation did turn to religion and a huge disagreement ensued. Simpson lost his temper and he turned the car from the main road into Twigley's Forest where he shot Rudy in the head. Exactly the same way. It's all really centred around religion for him then, isn't it? Massively. It's just everything he thinks about. Like, he believes he has to convince people. He's obviously got bizarre views. He doesn't agree with organised religion. So he's he's extremely Christian, but hates the church. It's a really... And but hates it so much that he's like violently hates it. Um, so as a person who doesn't agree with it, it's hard to agree with him because if you're not religious, you're fucked. Yeah. If you are religious, you're fucked. Like there's no one that really is going to have his exact mindset that but he's going to randomly yeah. meet. Also, he's probably bringing up religion because he thinks this is an opportunity to convert someone. Yeah, and then starting these arguments himself. Yeah, and later when he was arrested, he said that he was on this mission to convert people and he was going to keep killing people and, until it was done. What? Like, now he'd... At this point, now he'd started it, like you said, he was going to keep bringing up religion and he was going to keep killing people because he believed that that was what he was called to do. Yeah. Um, Delusions so, of grandeur. Exactly. So he shot Rudy in the head and very similarly, he took the body out of the car and made a small attempt at concealing it with some leaves and just drove off. So he then drove to um, some lodgings where he was staying in Manchester. And the landlady at the time recalled that he'd arrived and then spent a lot of time vigorously cleaning the interior of his car. Um, Simpson carried on with life while the police were trying to investigate George Green's death. But of course, Rudy's on holiday from Switzerland he doesn't know anyone here so they weren't even looking for him no one knew he was missing Simpson's big mistake was that he took this car to another garage so again there's huge media attention there's been the A6 killer there's now this A9 killer so the police had been distributing descriptions of this car to garages across the country and 
though he changed the registration slightly, as we said, it's still quite an obvious yeah. one. Um, and so a lad working in a garage saw the yum, saw it was a crap paint job, and called the police. So Simpson was stopped while driving. Um, but for whatever reason, when he was speaking to the officer, he obviously managed to spin a story and was convincing enough to be let go. Then the police obviously looked into Ian Simpson, realised he'd been committed to a mental hospital twice, been (laughs) in prison. Bingo. And knew he needed to be questioned. So they arrested him. And as soon as he was in custody, Simpson confessed to the murder of George Green. And he just said, oh yeah, and there's another one. That they don't even, they're not even aware of. No. So they did the thing where they take them on a day trip to go and point it out where it is it's not you'd think that they'd exploit it if it was me I'd be like oh yeah there's one somewhere in Mallorca (laughs) (laughs) on the beach yeah well didn't they say that who was it it was like Fred Fred, where they'd like take him for ice cream and stuff he was good like we'll have a KFC in the car or something on the way back um so he did he was taken by the police to show the location of Rudy and he said that the murder weapon he'd just thrown it into the river mersey just really like blasé about everything and like i said he just was like i was meant to do it i was going to carry on doing it he appeared in court in august of 1962 and the psychiatrist then thought him clearly insane he didn't believe that he'd killed the men he said that he changed them sort of for the better um and his he consistently discussed morality and said that once he'd found out that someone hadn't didn't meet his standards of morality he was going to try and purify society so of course he was found guilty and he was committed to carstairs which is like the scottish version of broadmoor yeah, I think we've talked about it before, Carstairs. It said that he actually, once there, he responded incredibly well to treatment. He was a model prisoner. He worked and got an honours degree in science and social studies. And they said that he became really placid and that actually that bit of intervention from them really helped turn him around and give him a good quality wow. of life. Maybe the science and social studies because it's not religion as well. Yeah, he taken him in another direction. But unfortunately, his story doesn't end there because in 1976, two men, Robert Moan and Thomas McCulloch, were planning their escape from Carstairs. A story that you did yeah. not so long ago, just before our summer break. Lucy talked about Robert Moan and his escape. So these should start to match up. So you'll have heard in that episode how when they were trying to escape, they attacked one of the nurses trying yeah, to get the keys off horrific. him. And a prisoner. Yeah, that prisoner was Ian Simpson. No. Oh, yes, I remember the name now. Shit. He, it said that he was went over to the nurse to try and help him because he was like one of the good boys now. Yeah. He'd gone over to help him, at which point Robert Moon and Thomas McCulloch it said they threw a paint stripper in their faces and they began to just hack at them yeah. with the weapons they had. And as like a last thing, McCulloch sliced off Simpson's ears before they escaped. Yeah. So oh. 
It's quite... He killed two people. He killed two people. But then he... Be, but he was mentally ill and then he yeah. became, like, nice and was being polite and he was butchered. Yeah. Just because he was there. I feel like... A- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.